This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, multiplying authentic leaders and moving society. I'm Louis Grunewald, the old man, uh, standing in today for Adrian Grunewald, who's uh, having some difficulty with the internet from the bush. And with me is Kevin uh, Farkerson, um, a fellow um, colleague at Leadership Platform, also a leadership activist and a very experienced life skills facilitator in his own right. For all things leadership, visit our, our website um, at leadershipplatform.com. Today, we once again welcome our regular top-level contributor, Professor Theo Felsman. Welcome, Prof. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me again. We just want to, to uh, before we introduce the subject today, which is one of those, those well-thought-out, grounded academic uh, um, products of the prof, we just want to uh, affirm, again, the kind of person we're dealing with here. Uh, prof Theo has been a regular contributor to us, but he really is a leader, a thought leader in the world of leadership. He's, um, you know, while he was with with um, UJ, University of Johannesburg, um, he set a tone for leadership which is completely unique in the world of universities. And we've been pretty excited all these the last few years in working closely with him. Prof, uh, Prof's contribution also over the last year or 18 months um, is available on our site and on the app that we will be telling you about in due course. Um, and that is in the form of the podcast and also in the form of written articles. This specific podcast that we are, are dealing with today will also be available in that form. And we'll have some exciting ideas in future how to optimize the pretty exciting uh, content that is, is really uh, in line with thought leaders worldwide as well. What I love about Theo is how he's kept abreast. You know, <laughs> he shows a, a kind of a childlike enthusiasm for state-of-the-art thinking. And uh, believe me, as you'll see in today's discussion, this is very important nowadays. Theo, will you introduce for us the subject for today? Thank you very much, Louis, and thank you for those very kind words. Uh, yeah, it's a challenging field, and you have to kind of think over and consider where leadership is going. Uh, I think the topic for me today is, is an interesting uh, a, a new trend that we're seeing emerging because of the world in which uh, leaders, uh, the, the world that leaders now face, uh, and that is that leadership in organizations have to move beyond the leader, and I'm using the in caps, capitals here, the single leader that's all-knowing, that's all-powerful, that has all the good ideas leading the organization to shared leadership. Um, and shared leadership is meaning where you mobilize the total leadership group of the organization, and we'll come to that in what way you do it, so that they are able to operate, as I would like to call it, beyond hierarchy and function. It does not replace the reporting lines, whatever, but the challenges have become so great that organizations face. They are organizational challenges, not particular functional challenges like of operations or manufacturing or engineering. They've become in this world, which we can deal with in a moment, Louis, uh, um, they have become organizational challenges, organizational requirements and issues. And for that, you have to mobilize the total leadership group of the organization by converting them in what I would like to call, and we're going to explore that later on, into a leadership community that is based on shared leadership. Uh, so I think that's the topic for the day. Uh, Prof, I just want to mention that Kevin and I was discussing this this vital subject, and let's face it, hundreds of conversations over the last few years have been pointing in this direction anyway. We just want to make it clear that what the prof is saying is not threatening the leadership. On the contrary, what is, is helping leadership understand what is happening out there and, and, and in the areas they need to adapt to become more successful leaders. So the subject beyond hierarchy and function Nurturing a flourishing, thriving leadership community does not, as the prof just said, take away the vital functions of 
the leader at the top. It does, though, add a dimension, I believe, that is vital for leaders to understand. I really believe that in hundreds of conversations we've had with top leaders over the years. And there's a commonality amongst them um, in realizing that there is the need to change um, and understand what's lying ahead. If you do, Prof, you know, it gives one a sense of calm assurance that you really are adapting to what is going to happen uh, in the future and, uh, and therefore it takes away a lot of anxiety from a, from a good leader. Not so, Prof. Yes, uh, and I think for going into deeper into the topic, uh, Louis, um, I can uh, maybe one can use an analogy Yeah, And the analogy here is of a, uh, of a soccer team. A soccer team has got a captain, and he guides and, 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 and owns the strategy for the game the team is going to play. But each one, as a team, you have to operate uh, and, and, and play the game. But the goalie at a particular point has a certain a responsibility. The striker has a certain responsibility. But it's that sense of we're a team together and that we have to mobilize everybody into the team in order to achieve our goals. Um, so, so that's probably the best uh, metaphor to use for this idea to move from, uh, you know, 11 separate players to a community of players that playing the game jointly and you are pulling on each one's strengths at a particular point in the, ga- in, in, in the game in order to make a contribution. Yeah, thanks. Prof, please go ahead and explain uh, why we're discussing this subject. Yeah, I think the world has changed, uh, Louis. Um, the world has changed. Uh, there's certain terms that's been coined, the VUCA world. I prefer the VICAS world, which is an extension of the, the VUCA world that talks about variety, increasing variety, interdependency, and, uh, which means connectivity, complexity, change, ambiguity, and seamlessness. So there's a completely different world out there that has to uh, be, be uh, addressed, engaged with uh, in a different way. Secondly is the whole uh, accelerating technological innovation, the fourth industrial revolution. And, and I've, uh, for myself, uh, depicts it by the acronym called DIVAS, and DIVAS uh, stands for first, firstly digitization. Everything is being computerized and is available on the computer, so it is processable. The first D in DIVAS. The second one, interconnectivity. Everyone, everything can talk to everyone and everything else at any point in time. And virtualization, this, the V in the DIVAS says you, you are present and you can deliver in the cyberspace on an ongoing basis basis, anything, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, for anyone. The A in the DIVA stands for automation, where processes and procedures and practices are increasingly being um, uh, automated with minimum uh, or no human intervention. And finally, the S in DIVA stands for smart, that uh, people are striving to generate data from everything and turn it into intelligence through decision-making algorithms, which are taking over a a lot of things that people are currently uh, doing. So the technological innovation, then the whole uh, thrust on on sustainability in the world through leaders being stewardship uh, or demonstrating stewardship for the the assets they control. Uh, Prof, prof, just just before you span on that one, I just want to mention a, a context that's very important to me. Um, people, everybody nowadays at the high level is speaking of, uh, you know, the being aware of the uh, uh, the fourth industrial revolution. As I saw one of the cabinet ministers speak about that. But I want people to understand um, something that's very important. Often they speak about that and they make it sound as if it's purely technological. Um, but what the prof is explaining carefully to us today is, and this is where he's going to uh, discuss this right now, is without the leadership component um, <laughs> being being uh, exposed to the to the uh, the kind of fourth industrial revolution is not going to help too much. It, uh, it is becoming increasingly a leader's responsibility, and what he's uh, discussing with us today is how we go about it. Please go ahead, Prof. And the last important trend here is that of uh, the thrust on sustainability and that leaders must be stewards um, and, and uh, of, of the resources, uh, the assets entrusted to them. 
uh, and and there's a whole uh, um, um, uh, emphasis that in terms of things like integrated reporting, that leadership must be accountable for the difference they're making for upcoming generations in the world. So the world is changing. You have all of these challenges that leaders have to address. And now this requires, in, in, in consequence, um, as it has been called, ongoing relentless, destructive innovation, reinvention of your organization, of your products, how you deliver, how you serve, uh, what you do. And, and it means also, as a, a consequence of that, ongoing learning, uh, learning faster than the rate of change. So, Louis, that's the world of the leader. And can you imagine that the single leader will be able to face all of these, address all of this, have the expertise and the knowledge to deal with all of this on behalf of the organization. And hence, by way of introduction, the move to shared leadership, where you want to create from the total leadership group in the organization the synergy to jointly address what these, what are really organizational challenges and issues and problems. And the way in which you give concrete hands and feet to this, I would like to argue, uh, to the shared leadership is in the form of a leadership community. And maybe I'm going to stop there and you would like to comment mm. on that. Well, one of the things that I wanted to ask, Theo, is um, have you ever encountered people who are trying to steer away from this this new world, this fourth um, revolution? What has been the impact on them if uh, you know they they haven't used the social medias and the technologies of the world, have you experienced anybody who's avoid tried to avoid that? Well, I think there are quite a number of organisations that that are trying to avoid it by just trying to improve on currently what they're doing. Uh, to use the analogy here, they're currently building ox wagons and they were fine for the, the previous age and now they're worried about what they're seeing. So they try to, to, to improve the ox wagons by putting in surround sound and and uh, maybe uh, turbocharge the wheels. But meanwhile, uh, the, the ox wagons are just get, falling out of the race and nobody's interested in, in buying the ox wagons. So you are getting a lot of organizations. I mean, the one... Um, uh, is example that I've recently come across in terms of the fourth industrial revolution is Rio Tinto in Australia are now designing fully automated mines where everything, all the equipment is is automatically controlled from a control room and where maybe I haven't got the figures but I would guess let's say you had six, seven hundred people working on the mine, it's open cast mining, you would have now two or three operators sitting in a control room controlling all the equipment, taking out the stuff, doing the explosives. So that's the a mine of the future with robotics I would also guess thrown in there heavily. Uh, Prof that reminds of the dramatic change in oil transportation, these massive big oil tankers, you know, um, incredible with a very uh, few staff operating it, you know, compared with the past. That's uh, a classical illustration of what you're speaking about. Okay. Yeah. Prof, um, please go ahead and uh, discuss this leadership community of practice that you're speaking about. Yeah. So what is a leadership community uh, of practice? Uh, in other words, uh, imagine that's a, where you bring together your total group, leadership group in the organization uh, such that they work from an, 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 an us perspective. They, they work together and, and, and the work of a community here is, is quite appropriate. Uh, they work beyond uh, the hierarchy, beyond the, 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 the functions in order to address organizational-wide type challenges and issues uh, so that they can jointly deliver on the strategic intent of the organization. Um, so it's a, uh, you're creating this leadership uh, um, collectivity, acting jointly. So it's a movement, uh, it's a conscious movement in the organization from moving away from I to we leadership, from individualistic uh, to a collective identity for their leadership, from leading oneself single-handedly to leading in concert with others as a synergistic unit. You're only not looking after narrow personal individual or parochial interest to a shared common good agenda from shared responsibilities and accountabilities 
to multiple reciprocal relationships, or not only one-on-one relationships. So it's a kind of acknowledging by the organization that none of us in this new world as individual level leaders are as clever and wise as all of us as leaders together. So, And also that nobody can get there until everybody gets there. So imagine, and there the best analogy still for me is a team on the field that's playing all the time and the leadership shifts in the team as the game unfolds, like in soccer, like in rugby. Theo, if I could ask you, what is, in doing this, we obviously come from the old way, the old regime of leadership, and now this is a new way of doing things. I kind of picked up that some leaders would actually fear this. There would be some fears, um, particularly perhaps um, they look at it as they're losing control, they, they're not the chief in charge anymore. What are some of the, the, the answers that you could give leaders who have these fears of wanting to really let go of this total control and have it as a community, what would be your response to, to, to help them overcome these fears? I think the greatest fear they should fear is the challenges that they can't address and they think single-handedly they can address it. So they're already kind of in a fearful state although they're trying to convey a sense of confidence, a sense of I know it all, whatever. I, I think it does not take away, and that is, you're quite right, one of the fears, it does not take the, away that I still have an accountability like, and I, can I continue with the analogy of a team, that I still am the captain of the team, or I'm still the goalie. So in that sense, I retain my accountability for the role I'm which in. But what happens is the community, in a sense, if I can uh, explain it this way, moves into the white space between the players in order to create a greater good um, and a greater result and a more synergistic result in the organization. So I still, if I'm not in front of the goalie and the goal gets scored, I still get taken to task. But it's a whole team effort to keep the other team away from the goal, uh, the goal uh, or otherwise get our team to the other side, uh, support the striker in order to get the ball there to actually get, score the goal. So the, the, the accountabilities remains the responsibilities, but it's how you function in order to attain, to work to, uh, against an us agenda and attain an overarching common goal in winning the game. Prof, um, you know, when you work with leaders so much as we have done, I'm doing one develops a sense of essence. Um, you look for those people who zero in on the essence of situations and, and the bigger context. We've discussed it more or less with you often as well. But I wanted to say to, to the people out there that leaders, we find there are two categories of leaders, and one can, can, um, can, can uh, you know, d- define it in many different ways. The one leader we see has a urge to tell us what he knows. In other words, he, he needs to defend himself um, in many ways, and then one gets the impression there may be strong leaders, but they live in a very small world uh, that's bound completely by the limitations that the prof has been speaking about. In other words, they feel they're supposed to know it all and they're supposed to be leaders. The other category is pretty exciting. There's a freshness about them, um, a glint in the eye with respect. And this is what I find um, in, in, in our friend theory as well. That glint is about, it's an ever-learning process that you're renewing yourself all the time and you're not afraid to be vulnerable in testing uh, whether you really have a grasp of the dynamic growing situation. So this is a different kind of leader we speak to. One feels enthused, even inspired, by people like that. It's a good feeling. Whereas other person can impart knowledge, yes, skill sets, but you don't feel this life there um, or not relevant life as well. So, Theo, what you're speaking about, one sees tangibly the different mindsets we come across in the kind of two categories. Not so. Yeah, and I think also if I can build on what you said, Louis, this leader, uh, the, the, and I'm talking about the senior executives here, become more facilitators of facilitating processes 
in order to get the results. And having the answers to this is what we have to do. It's, so it's a movement away from instructional type leadership uh, to facilitation process-based leadership that enables, that empowers, that kind of defines boundaries in which solutions must be sought and make sure that uh, the th- right things go into place but not of necessity design themselves or do them themselves. Just know what it uh, what must be in place when and facilitate that process. So in that sense, uh, um, Kevin, coming back to you, it is a much more powerful leadership than the CEO sitting in an office instructing the people what to do. Um, and then they feel... Uh, very, uh, um, uh, very constrained and I would argue that most organizations that have this leadership style is uh, you know we talk a lot about capital in organizations, structural capital and this kind of capital, I think there's also leadership capital in an organization and I think the organization that's got this instructional kind of I know it all uh, leader as is, is a lead, actually their real leadership uh, capital versus the potential capital is much lower than what they can see. While this process enabling, empowering type leader, they just make the organization flourish and this organization is rich in leadership capital. Uh, and that's going to yeah. make the difference for uh, the future. Prof, we, we're moving now to the key of what you were saying, the core. I just want to mention people that uh, um, we, we have uh, kind of we fashioned a slogan we use um, about leadership confidence as opposed to arrogance leadership confidence is based on trust in processes that work in other words um, the old idea of, of confidence is this arrogance really I know it all and this is exactly the opposite of what uh, uh, Prof Theo is speaking about so the trust in process, so therefore, you don't start the meetings and knowing all the answers necessarily. In fact, that's why you're there. You start the meetings so you can facilitate. Now we get to this very important part of what the prophet is speaking about: this world of the importance of relationships in order to build up the leadership capital. Please expand for us, Prof. Yeah, it, it, it builds on the idea of leadership capital. Organizations are essentially about uh, relationships. So to the extent which you can mobilize people through relationships, you are building up in the the application to leadership, you're actually building up the leadership capital of organization. There's been some interesting work done by a forgotten which business school in the States, which sets, uh, which actually uh, empirically and factually demonstrated that where organizations are kind of, you know, retrenching people and restructuring people all the time in order to become more competitive, are doing poor, uh, much poorly, significantly poorly to organizations compared to organizations that emphasize building and nurturing relationships inside the organization with customers and suppliers. They outperform. The organizations are doing the typical kind of blood-on-the-street initiatives uh, in terms of getting us more competitive. Where you invest in relationships, you actually outperform uh, these other organizations. And the same here with a, with a leadership community. A leadership community, and we'll get to the dynamics that you have to nurture into these communities, are essentially about strengthening the relationships the, uh, in the leadership group such that they can function kind of from a single agenda with a single mind uh, and making the millions of decisions that have to be taken in the organization back in their functions. But they know overall what issue, challenge they are addressing from a strategic perspective. Probably, I think that the listeners must realize also that, that the background from which the prof is speaking as well. He's a very experienced and prominent um, industrial psychologist, although he calls himself a work psychologist to give it far more uh, focused substance. So these, the uh, industrial psycho- psychological impact, implications are very important. Um, and that's his understanding of that is pretty profound. And what he's doing now is relating it and uh, integrating it fully into the need of leadership. And with, without relationships, I'm not sure if one, if one can really, really um, um, keep your head above water in, in the future, not so, Athia. 
Yeah, very much. Uh, and I'm probably going to repeat this, uh, if I may, uh, uh, Louis Kevin, in terms of this idea of a, of, a, of a sports team. A sports team can't exist if the relationships are not sound in the team. You know of so many teams where you have, if you look on paper, the most brilliant players, and I won't mention teams here by name, otherwise we may get very personal here. <laughs> if you look at the paper, they've got the most brilliant players, but they can't gel. They can't, there's not that, again, what I call the synergy in the relationships between the players that make them a great team. And then you have a team that seem to have like just average players, but something gels in the relationships. They form this community and they beat the pants off this team with the, the prima donnas, the, all, all the great stars. Uh, so relationships is going to be the future and how you position it and you nurture people to grow through the relationships in a sense of an us. And we're jointly going to do this, a sense of community. Um, Theo, the, the, uh, the essence of what we, we're discussing to the listeners out there, um, you know, the more we learn about leadership, the the more we realize how little we know, because this is really that part of every person out there that enables them to move situations in a positive direction. So therefore, leadership is the best part of all of us, and relationships are so important. I think um, the, the more one avoids the, the crux of relationships, the more one drifts away from the, the leader we need in future as well. Prof, now, in terms of the, you use the word mandate, of a leadership community in Tal. Will you please just uh, expand on that? Yeah, you, you want to bring about... A, a, a setting up a leadership community and organization is a deliberate conscious process. It's not going to happen by itself, you know. On, on Friday, we just individual leaders, a collectivity of leaders... Uh, we press a button and on Monday you've got a leadership community. It is a growth process and we're still going to come to that in terms of the life cycle. But I mean, uh, you first have to say, we, you express your intention, we want to have this, this community and then you say, what is this community about? It's like when you constitute the community, what will this community deal with? Otherwise they w won't know the definitions, the boundaries of the playing field. And you can set up, and I think that's part of the growth process. Uh, um, you can first say that the community comes together and its mandate is to improve by, in a significant way how the organization delivers to its clients and it is, uh, its, its stakeholders and how it actually uses resources in the organization. Uh, and, I mean, you can then define it. We want to improve our delivery in terms of effectiveness, efficiency, costs uh, by 10% or by 20%. Uh, or, you know, important, uh, a whole new trend in the field that I've come across is where they talk about business by design, um, where you use the design of the organization it's, as its operating logic to uh, delight customers. So you can bring the, the community together and say, how can we jointly as leaders at all the levels of the organization contributing to delight our customers? So that's where you can start. And I think that's a good place to start because you immediately market reference. Then you can, of course, graduate up, so to speak, and say, uh, we can start talking about where the organization is going, having a strategic conversation. Uh, a next interesting one is to talk about in this changing world, what is the identity and the philosophy of our organization? What do we stand for? What do we want to do? Kind of in a corporate citizen way uh, and, and, and in the sustainability framework. How do we want to make a difference in the world and make the world a better place? And then the final, which is a really deep conversation, and a lot of organizations are having it, is how do are we sure we've got the right set of glasses on our interpretive framework when we look and engage with the world? I mean, if we are very much, we just deliver every day and we're consistent. And that was the case, if I can mention an example of Nokia. Nokia thought they had it. They creamed it in terms of the, the cell phone market. And that was about six years ago. I mean, they had 35% roughly of the cell phone market. 
uh, uh, worldwide in India and places like that, they had 80% plus of the cell phone market. At that stage, the iPhone, the first iPhone came out. And they were asked, you know, uh, is this a threat to you? Oh, no, no. It's a, a product for exclusive uh, group of people. It's too expensive. And the rest is history. Today, Nokia is out of the cell phone business, essentially. I mean, they've been bought by their cell phone business, have been bought by um, uh, Microsoft. Uh, and they have lost out. Uh, they are not really featuring any longer, and, and the likes of Apple and Samsung has just taken it over. So why was that? Is because they had the explanation for Nokia is they were very self-satisfied with what they were achieving, and they thought, ah, we just defend our position. So uh, what the community can kind of go very fundamental into the DNA of how they look at the world, and is it appropriate, and are their products positioned correctly, etc. So the mandate of the community, define what we want to address, and it may graduate over time in terms of, of maybe you first start with delivery, as I said, and you start digging deeper and deeper, and then it could be our policies and our standards, our direction, identity philosophy, and finally, let's talk. I mean, one of the, the, the biggest development areas currently, just to give another concrete illustration, competencies for leaders is a global mindset. It means that you have to reframe the world, way in which people look, and a community can play a very important role in terms of that, um, to open up perspectives. Bless us. Um, moving from this point, though, uh, uh, Prof, uh, we speak of uh, um, the, the mandate and how to bring it to pass. Uh, others, uh, what would you say is the, the kind of makeup of a leadership community? How do we recognize it? What do we look yeah. out for? You, uh, in other words, you've now stepped, you said, I want to go the route of establishing a leadership community in the organization. Then you kind of define the mandate, which could be dynamic and will involve over time. Then the, the next step in this process as a building block is to say, now, who must make up this leadership community? You know, how many levels will we include in the organization? How many functions will we include? And the profile of the kind of people we want to see in this community. So it, it is like a team. You know, what kind of players do we need in the team? And and uh, you can go either very narrow. It's a couple of prima donnas, as I call a prima donna community, kind of a, a high profile leaders. And they, they come together like a little bit like a social club from time to time to have these conversations. Or you can have um, a community with just one or two people uh, that claim to be a, a community. I call them the Lone Rangers. The previous one is Prima Donna, so kind of high profile, we'll talk together, etc. Then you get the other one where you, you actually have very similar people in the leadership community. They are clones. Uh, this is where you get the groupthink one. And then you get the other one, which is the right one, the makeup of the community in this world that we're living in, that is highly diverse, representative um, in terms of, of uh, the skills, the experiences, this, the gender, the color uh, of the people, etc. Um, nationalities, uh, like a true cosmopolitan type of community. And, and research has shown that where the, the, the uh, context of organization becomes much more complex, like the Vikas world that we spoke about, very demanding, where you're not even sure about the questions you have to ask, you need to have a very diverse type of leadership community because they can come up with much better solutions compared to a homogeneous group, same type of leaders. You're the, you, if you've seen one, you've seen the other one. So the makeup of the community is very critically important to the job they do in terms of how you set it up in terms of its diversity and how many of each of the diverse types, so to speak, you have in the group. Prof, I, thinking back the last year or two, um, I was involved with, uh, I'm thinking specifically of two groups in a very, very diverse um, setup, um, you know, in the gold mining industry where the jobs are pretty dangerous. Um, but there, in this specific case, these two managers, and it happened to be one old white guy 
and the other one is a young black well qualified young man but how they have managed by their passion to integrate the diversities of the group so here we find groups that got old timer say tradesman background you know that learned the hard way in the, in, the, in the mining world and then sitting alongside with them in the management team would be well qualified academics um uh, black young people and also some women as well and how these two are managing to to incorporate this kind of spirit you speak about ultimately you know leadership is a very personal thing what what the prophet is speaking about here to uh, my friends out there is really about addressing the the needs of every specific person you deal with out there um, if you don't go this direction you will not address if it's purely uh, hierarchical for instance and functional there's no life in that and what the prophet is saying is the tremendous resources available to us to unleash the power of the people under you in terms of relationship um, i've seen how people become happier tend to be happier we test them with a question do you like coming to work on monday and initially the first audit we did uh, the general result is sure i've got to do it but i don't particularly like it and i look forward to retirement instead and now um some months later there's a spontaneous reaction and saying no they enjoying the 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 system of dynamic interaction with each other as well and so you're speaking not just of a sound leadership philosophy you're speaking of of the essence of life in many ways not so prof yes uh, can i also add another case study uh, this was my where i first saw this idea of leadership community in really in a practical way in 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 action uh, and the the person concerned that made this change this leader he was appointed as the general manager of this colliery it's the first time he was appointed in that type of position is is uh, um, nowadays a very prominent executive in the mining industry still this was a colliery that was probably at its third wave of retrenchments it had the highest cost in the in, uh, in that particular group uh, it was supplying to one of the uh, the the, the uh, power stations of Eskom highest cost poorer safety record i mean everything was just wrong on this mine um they decided not no further capital investment in the mine and they were actually uh, running the mine down to close it he was then appointed as general manager of that mine in a period of uh, i assisted them for about 2 years just to facilitate the strategic planning sessions but thereafter i had no further involvement in rolling it out he turned that mine around through the whole sense of we are one in this boat we're rowing this boat together the problems we face are a organizational problem it's not a functional or a hierarchical challenge we face he turned that mine around i think louis uh, kevin it was about 18 months such that it became the lowest cost producer in that group with the highest safety record they they won the prizes whatever but for example when they went away to an award ceremony when they returned to the mine the, even the 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 the, the partners were standing at the the gate entrance of the mine to cheer the team on for what they've achieved there was this whole sense of community we in this together and jointly we're going to make a difference it was just amazing and so hence there after the 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 the, the mining group decided to reinvest in the mine again it was just on a upward curve with the same exactly the same people hey wow uh, theo did you also find which has been my experience that that's as they uh, the mindset changes then somehow the the systems have been placed are not as bad as they thought uh, otherwise you tend to blame the structures and the system <laughs> you know for your lack of performance but when your mindset changes in the direction that we are speaking about today then suddenly you see this method in the madness of the so-called systems developed by the prof by the professionals out there otherwise it's it's you find you your your tendency to blame the system or the structure or the bosses up there that tends to get another perspective and boy does it make a difference one of the greatest pleasures i have i must admit is seeing this leadership potential growing people it is an exciting process i don't think there are many things that excite me more than seeing people live 
up to their potential and spread this around. I'm sure that's your experience too, Theo. Yes, and very much. The, uh, it's also been demonstrated in the leadership community. If you include into the leadership community your young leaders, they, they can and the processes are conducive to that. And we're going to talk about the, the, the core process in, in a leadership community is dialogue, shared dialogue. Uh, is how the young leaders just, you know, the biggest challenge we face is how do we transfer the wisdom, the business acumen from senior leaders to junior leaders? Uh, and that can happen in a, in, a, in a leadership community where they see that wisdom uh, in, in a very equalitarian manner being shared with others and migrated, being migrated to the younger leaders. So it becomes also leadership community becomes like a, 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 a leadership development hub for the young leaders. I think where um, what we can move maybe onto uh, we've actually touched on it, so we can move on rapidly. You've got the mandate in place for your community. You decide to go that route. You have the mandate. What they'll address. You have made sure that the composition of that leadership community is. Is, is really diverse and representative of the total organization um, uh, such that you can hear all the different voices to address. Because if you just think of, of the, the different uh, levels of work in organization, you have the CEO typically with his uh, exco generating strategic direction. Then you have that's level five and four work. Then level three work is about the operational execution to include those into the community. Then you have the people that have to oversee the daily delivery. And if you bring all of them together uh, into the one space and the one time to talk about delivery and organization, the most amazing things can come about because you've got the, all the different perspectives uh, on the field, so to, sp so to speak, that ca can make that difference. The third one, which we've already covered as a building stone, is that you must then have the, the leadership community have, must have a clear ideology. And what I mean by ideology, it's not a global, th uh, a political thing here, is how they want to look at the world, the set of glasses. I mean, the world is changing. It's radically changing. So we better have a much more innovative uh, type of mindset and not one of retaining and trying to just improve what we've got. So kind of you defining the rules according to which you want to uh, play the game, so to speak, if you want to simplify the, uh, the the word ideology. But it's your belief system uh, in terms of how you want to engage and, uh, and position the conversation. Uh, and the dialogue inside the, the community. Prof, I just want to refer back to a, a pretty uh, dynamic discussion we had last month. Uh, and one of the vital points um, that you were making and we were discussing is the need for, for leaders to learn to understand themselves better. And the more you respect your inner person, the essence which you are, the more you loyal to that, the more confident one becomes to incorporate, in fact, embrace all these ideas that the prophet is speaking about. Now, prophet, you mentioned also in your in the preparatory article uh, the essence of the dynamics within a flourishing, thriving national community, and then you, you touch upon the principle of dialogue. I think it's very important we discuss exactly your d definition of what we mean by this dialogue to bring about this leadership uh, culture. Yeah, and now it's getting to, now you have to get the, the community going and through what processes and, and, and why, where must the emphasis be? Is the, the emphasis on how you structure the, 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 the community in terms of roles or is it a very open space? And the, the emphasis in the leadership community is on dynamics and the structure comes secondary. Uh, again, as I said, I'm going to repeat this analogy. It's like a sports team. They've got a structure. But in the end, the structure, the roles, the goalie, the striker, the defender uh, in a sports team fits into the dynamic of the game as it unfolds. So structure follows dynamics, so to speak, that you play your role according to what role is required at that stage. And at the heart of a community is what you have to got, uh, get going is an open dialogue 
and you've referred to that as well, Louis, in a, from an action learning frame of reference. We, we're taking action, but as we're taking action through discussing challenges that we face, we look at how we can uh, solve these in an action learning mode through dialogue. Um, and, and that we go deeper and deeper in terms of a more honest and a more open discussion that, uh, you know, <laughs> something could be that a, 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 a frontline leader, as some organizations now call their supervisor, would say, listen, where, from the place where I sit, uh, Miss or Miss CEO, the strategy is not working out. We said we want to delight the customers. But we're missing it all the time. You must see all the grievances coming in from customers. Or you just recently, one of our biggest customers have just terminated his relationship with us. Are you aware of that in terms of how your strategy is working out at the cold face? And there's not a sense of being feel threatened by that. It's a case of let's understand what's happening here and why are we not delighting our customers? Uh, Prof, the the beautiful essence of what we're speaking about is um, can be illustrated. Um, you know, we use this uh, this model. We call it the law of movement, saying that that all movement is is uh, is uh, uh, governed by the integration of of motivation, direction, and supporting structure. But what we do in practice is we set about and we create this powerful structure. And then we, we lose out. And that's exactly the point that you mentioned, that the leadership community must serve its dynamics. The structure mustn't stand in its way. Um, well, we had some classical cases recently in trying to work with, um, with the large government departments in terms of getting some problems fixed and how we ran into bureaucracy. And <laughs> otherwise the structure was ruling the roost, uh, not the dynamics or the whole purpose behind it. And this is where this leadership environment uh, plays a role. You create um, a, a, a system where you serve the dynamics exactly. And this, this brings about work enjoyment too. Um, your illustration of sport teams uh, is very relevant. For instance, we found that in these professional teams nowadays, like with rugby and soccer, they spend a great deal of effort in building defensive structure. But often that doesn't allow for the game breakers, you know, because you, you are trained to respect the structure and everybody must make sure those holes are closed. Now, we understand it, but what Theo is saying, people, we must serve the dynamics, the essence of dynamics within the, And this is where the, the dialogue comes in, how to go about doing that. So the structure could imply the roles, continuing with the sports team, the goalie, the striker. But actually what becomes more important is the unfolding, the use of the structure through the dynamics of, the, of playing the game. Uh, and that you each need that expertise, that perspective, but in the end it must go all go into the same pot to, 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 to actually create this great stew, so to speak. That, that can make a vast difference and not so much how the goalie won the game for us or the striker won the game for us. It is us as a team that won the game. And, and I think tied to that, if I may, is then for the dynamics to work is trust. Trust, trust, trust. That the, the, the team members, the leaders in the leadership community trust. And I think for me, trust also goes then that they treat one, one, one another regardless of stature and position, with uh, respect and dignity. I listen to you from your perspective that you are putting an idea, uh, you're putting a challenge in the pot that we jointly, it's not a threat to me, because I trust you that we are serving this overall common good of what we want to achieve as an organization. Prof, we, we shouldn't underestimate the point you're making. You mentioned uh, that uh, trust is the oxygen of a leadership community. Uh, I sent out a leadership thought we do on a daily basis where I mentioned that um, I, I'm inspired by people who, who uh, respect themselves, they respect others around them, and they respect the processes of bringing about uh, change as well. Um, this, and this all amounts to what you, you mentioned, the word trust. What a beautiful, beautiful, simple, and powerful thing it is. I don't think we can underestimate that. Bear in mind that everything you spoke about today, Prof, uh, 
uh, is really about building that trust, isn't it so? Yeah, and uh, that trust gets earned and actually nourishes and allows the, 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 the leadership community to do even more uh, adventurous things. Insta- instead of staying in the mm. same space because yes. we're not sure whether you will cover my backside, so to speak, in moving forward. Oh, I trust yeah. you implicitly. I don't have to look over my shoulder to see whether you're there. Well, more than that, you're actually alongside me. You're not behind me, following me, but we jointly are uh, can- because of the trust pursuing our dream. It cultivates a spirit of... Uh- of innovation and creativity. Make no mistake about that. Uh, Theo, you mentioned um, defining trust more effectively. Uh, can you just mention those four points you mentioned? Well, I think trust is made up, if you want to test the level of trust, is, is trustworthiness. What I do, I say I will do, nice. and what I do are the same. Acceptance, and that's the respect and dignity uh, that you unconditionally accept your co-leader in the leadership community. Openness. Uh, it's about I give and take feedback freely and with ease and I don't feel threatened by it or I don't uh, say that you must now bow to my position and my status in the organization and that constraints from giving feedback. And fourthly, congruence, that what I th- uh, feel and think corresponds fully with, with what I say and do. So the thinking and the doing in terms of so I don't you know, thump my fist on the table and say, I agree with you. Meanwhile, my fists are saying to you, no, I violently disagree. We, we often speak of the importance of values. I remember once, uh, Theo, I was giving like, a high-level training and we asked the, <laughs> the HR leader, by the way, do you have a set of values? Oh, yes, we have. Um, and uh, Can you just discuss? And he went, let me just find them. <laughs> And he goes, he goes, I know Theo finds it very funny. He goes to his bag and he brings out and he showed proudly the sense, <laughs> the list of values. Now, I think what Theo was saying, people, this is my hard won experience too, that values must be integrated. You don't think values, you just do it. And these uh, four definitions of the different levels of trust is really an expression of living one's values, being true to who you are, that best part of all of us. It's not all that difficult. Everybody as that kind of best part, no matter what your religion, your political party may be. And uh, trust is something that, that is a childlike. It takes an honesty and integrity. And then that congruence you spoke about, what I feel and think corresponds fully with what I say and do. It's just worth, worthwhile us um, not trying to rationalize away trust, you know, um, because people, they see our body language and they, they tend to be pretty... Um, good at discerning what we really mean and if that doesn't correspond to what we are saying or doing then it uh, breaks down trust um, now what are the expected outcomes of a leadership community it's what you mentioned is value add Theo? yeah uh, um, it, it, it must correspond with the mandate of the of, of what the community has set itself up but please it's not static it evolves and I think it's also related to as the levels of of, of trust grow in the community, they become more daring to jointly uh, take on greater, greater, greater mandate and also then create uh, greater value add. The one is the most basic level is just to tune, to make better what you've currently got. In other words, better operational delivery in the organization. We currently, it takes us currently to deliver a product to a, a customer um, uh, a week now we want to half that time to half a week. Um, the next one is is where you take the adaptation. You take the existing and you add the new. So you're adding, you know, what new products can we add to the range of products we currently got? What new features can we add in? So you're adapting. Thirdly is, is where you uh, take the existing and you take it in a new direction. For me, having been involved in the university, the, the important challenge to universities is now online learning, the so-called MOOCs and those things that are really going to take away business from universities if they don't uh, uh, redirect how they deliver the learning. I mean, also corporate universities are taking a lot of business away from universities. Then reinvention, where you really reinvent what you're currently doing. The Nokia example, you take cell phones and you turn them into smartphones. You completely redefine the industry and then um, really thinking about 
completely new things that are not even on the horizon currently. So uh, the community must decide how daring they want to be in terms of their mandate, and then secondly, what they want to deliver in terms of value add to uh, in terms of that mandate. Prof, at the beginning, we defined the session beyond hierarchy and function, nurturing a flourishing, thriving digital community. Um, and one of the things that Prof is also telling us is when we focus so much on the, the existing structure and also the job, I've got a job to do. And yes, of course, we all have job descriptions, etc. But when you look at this list of what um, the outcomes of a leadership community, the add-ons it gives to us, people, it makes you understand that, that we learn to look at our job description differently. It's more about the spirit of it and, uh, and, the, and then the actual mandate, exactly what is meant to achieve. So therefore, the idea of everybody does their job uh, can be a pretty severely limiting attitude. And this whole process of a leadership community is to bring out the best in us. And that means also it's an element of work enjoyment. You're not just there to come in the morning and work your day. It's really about the tremendous potential that lies within those hours if our mindset becomes ad adapted to a leadership community. Don't you think so, Prof? Yeah, you, you summarized it very well, Louis. Can I just give one practical example in terms of value add? This particular organization had the raw materials delivered to them by a certain company. So the companies would come in, deliver on a regular basis. I, I can't recall, was it daily, was it weekly, the raw materials to these companies. And the truck would leave empty. The trucks would leave empty because they'd done their delivery. Then in terms of this kind of interaction in, in the community, people said, but we got these trucks leaving empty. Why don't we contract with this very same company uh, that they, they distribute our products and our, uh, our products to our clients? And immediately there was a two-way synergy and they actually saved millions of rands because they had another company actually doing the distribution of their products and their services. Just a small little thing that through an, uh, a creativity, uh, creative conversation in the community resulted in an amazing solution, an amazing greater efficiency and cost savings. Uh, see, I really believe in response to what you're saying is that, uh, you know, the, the inner part of us, that best part of us, is, is naturally seamless. We just thrive on this community. Um, Theo, in a few minutes left, I'd like us to discuss the indicators of a flourishing, thriving uh, leadership community. Bear in mind, people, uh, see how personal it becomes, and therefore how it, it uh, describes the real why we're working and the meaning of life. And, and we're creating people then really that go home far happier and able to maintain that spirit of innovation and creativity at home. So please just go through that in the few minutes we have, Theo. Uh, I think the, 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 the overarching indicator of a flourishing, thriving leadership community, Kevin and, and Louis, is a sense of community. And what is the sense of community? We belong together. We belong together and identify with our group and we work together. Uh, there's uh, reciprocal influence and support. There's respect. There's a strong sense of we-ness, of cohesion. Uh, there's a sense that we can, in an unthreatening way, influence one another and a joint pride in, in, in achievement. So it's not me as a CEO that's achieved something or this head, this executive of this function. We together actually made that possible. Uh, people, members feel enabled, empowered. Uh, there is, and, and, and this is a very interesting one for me, and you may have observed it as well. Uh, the whole organization is infused with, with hope, efficacy, resilience, optimism, courage, and faith that they can do the job. There's a sense of caring for one another, and there's just a sense of, of inclusivity, uh, the other way of defining inclusivity diversity-friendliness. I mean, the one function is not played off at, to the detriment of, you know, operations is more important than finance or marketing is more important. We all make a contribution. 
and you're just seeing this company learning and moving the boundaries all the time because they're challenging it and jointly, as I said, they're rowing the boat into the future. It's a mindset that's so important to change. Thank you very much um, for the lovely program. It's always a joy to sit down with you. We look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you for having me. That was our Leadership Masterclass today with Professor Thea Feltzman. Thank you for joining us. This is CliffCentral.com.